This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, what I would like to share with you, and today is what we call Palm Sunday, and uh, we would like to mention that a little bit here today as well. But what I want to talk to you really about is the goodness of God. So I want to talk about the goodness of God and how that relates to this particular uh, day and this weekend. And here in Psalms, chapter 33, verse 1 through 6, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full. The earth is full? Uh, That means it's jam-packed. You know, it's it's chocked full. Let me see. There's my bag here. The earth is full. Here, can I give you another water over there? Yep. So I can use this right here. The earth is full, saturated. You understand, Paul? Yep. <laughs> this sponge was saturated. It was full. Um, and, and the scripture says... The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. You know, it's bursting forth with the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full, you know, of the goodness of the Lord. That's what what he tells us here. And then he says in James chapter 1, verse 16. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. Don't be misled. That means don't be deceived. My brothers and sisters, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. If it's truly good, it came from God. That's just the truth of it. And, you know, you've experienced good things with your eyes. You enjoy the beauty, sunrises and and sunsets, you know, know, mountains and, and family. And the ability to smell most things, anyhow. The ability to smell and to taste each herb and and mouth-watering meals and all. These are things that God has sent our way. And our ears to hear the the birds and the wind and melodies and the gurgling of brooks and the giggling of babies. That's a beautiful sound, is it not? And to feel the warmth and the love and tickles and experience joy and sorrow, pleasure and pain and love and 10,000 times 10,000 other wonderful good things. And he says here, whatever is good and perfect, it comes down to us from God our Father. And we've only touched the tip of the iceberg here. There's so many good things that God sends our, our way. And he says here, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God 
our Father who created all the lights in heavens, all the stars and the sun and the, the moon and everything that, that is brilliant and bright and that shines from above. He says, who created all the lights in the heavens, he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Psalms chapter 84, verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. And, and grace is God's enabling power. That's the best definition. I know we, we see grace and we think it's unmerited favor, and that's cool. But what is that talking about? You know, we're saved by grace, by his unmerited favor, but we're saved by his enabling power. And it is powerful what God does for us. And his glory, you know, magnificence and splendor and, and wonder. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. He will withhold no good thing. God wants his good stuff to come toward you. He will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. And then in the Message Bible, same verse, verse 11, it says, All sunshine and sovereign is God, generous in gifts and glory. He doesn't scrimp with his traveling companions. Do you know who God's traveling companions are? Yes. Are. That would be us. We're traveling through this life together with him. And he says he doesn't scrimp with his traveling companions. It's smooth sailing all the way with God of the angel armies. In James chapter 1 verse 18, he goes on to say, He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. Did, did, did any of you guys experience birth? Yes. <laughs> I think about all of us. Is that right? You know, and that means he gave you life. But in uh, the, the New Testament, we discover, as he was talking to Nicodemus, he says, you must be born again. So a second birth. And, and that's life. Also, he's given unto us this abundant life. And this is a, a promise that he has given unto us. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word and we out of all creation became his prized possession you became God's prized possession you are God's prized possession when you think about me you are his prized possession you know and there's a song that we've often saying it goes God is so good God is so good God is so good he's so good to me and he answers prayer, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and he forgives our sins and, and he saves our soul. He genuinely does. So have you ever felt like you were being followed? You know, whether you're going up on the mountain or going down the sidewalk in a town or a city somewhere. Have you ever felt like someone was watching you, you know, or you was being followed or something like that? You know, you, you actually have been. I don't know if they've told you about it, but you have been followed, you know. And it tells us here in uh, Psalms 23 verse 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Oh, that's who's following you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell 
in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. Forever. So goodness, and that's what we're talking about here, you know, goodness and his mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. Psalms 25 verse 8, it says, the Lord is good and he does what is right. God never does what's wrong. Never, ever, ever. So let's follow his example and let's make sure that we're always doing what's right as well, you know. Uh, have you ever, uh, well, here, let me, let's, let's read this verse first. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. Hmm. Have you ever gone astray? Yes. Have you ever showed the proper path to someone who you know has gone astray? Yes. It's a good thing to do with love and kindness to show others, you know, and because I, I venture to say we've all gone astray at some point in our life and people who come across our path would need us to coach them and to, you know, help them a little bit to get right back on the, the right path themselves, you know. Um, Psalms 119, verse 65, it says, You have done many good things for me, Lord, just as you promised. And this book is full of many multitudes of promises. I believe in your commands. Now teach me good judgment and knowledge. I used to wander off until you disciplined me. Hmm. I used to wander off until you disciplined me. Does that sound like a positive thing? It is. It is. Yes, it is. You know, we we have a, a dog named Tracker. He's a Border Collie. We've, he's about 15 years old now. And uh, when we first got Tracker and he got... You know, some size on them and all. Uh, people would become walking down the road in front of our house. It's just a little winding paved road, or somebody would be coming hiking off of the mountain up there. And Tracker would go, Hey guys, wait a minute. And he'd follow them home. And we wouldn't see him for a few days until whoever he followed home, you know, finally called the dog pound and they looked and saw his collar and they'd call us and ask us if we lost somebody, you know. And then he'd come back home. So after that happened a few different times, and the reason he would follow him, he just loves people. And if we were in the house or something, he would just go home with anybody who happened to be around. <laughs> so I bought one of these little collars that you can get for your dog, you know? And it has a little beeper on there. You can push a little button and it goes beep, beep, you know? And so... When Tracker's going out toward the road or he's doing something he shouldn't be doing, and I'd tell him no, and I'd send him out a little beeper. But if he didn't pay attention to the beeper, there's another little button that will shock the living daylights out of him. You know, kind of like that. But there was a discipline there, and, and it really, really, really worked. Didn't take now, him long to learn. No. Um, and so it was important for the discipline so we would... Trust him more. You know what I'm saying? He became much more valuable to us because of that. It was, it was for his good. You know? And when we're disciplined by God, it's for our good and for his glory. And it says here, I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. And now I, I closely 
follow your word. I, I, I trust you, you know. Verse 68 says, you are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. You know, and there's nothing about God that is not good. Nothing. Because he is good in everything he does, even if it's a discipline to make us more valuable, to teach us and to train us so he can trust us more and it brings honor to him. So experiencing God's goodness does not always mean that what you're doing is right. God may be blessing you, pouring out lots of blessings upon you and all, but that does not, you know, well, God's blessing me. Everything I'm doing must be right. And that is not the truth. Not at all. I mean, lots of times, you know, and, and we can learn those things the hard way, to be honest with you. Listen to what he says here in Psalms 107, verse 1. It says, oh, thank God. He's so good. His love never runs out. Have you ever ran out of gas? Yes. Have you ever ran out of salt in your salt shaker? You know, when you go get your cereal, have you ever ran out of milk in your, your jug there? There's a lot of stuff we run out of, isn't there? Yes. But God, he says, his love never runs out. His goodness never runs out. You know, once there was an atheist and he stood on the town green and he stood on a little platform just about like this and he challenged God to prove that he was real. I'll give you 60 seconds to strike me dead. And if you don't, it proves you don't exist. Do you really think that you can exhaust the love and the patience of God in 60 seconds? No. Does that sound like a wise God would, when, when he's challenged, will strike somebody dead? And if you don't, you, you don't exist? What about one of your children or a grandchild? And they said, well, I don't really believe you're my mommy. I don't really believe you're, you're my dad. If you're really my mommy and my dad, strike me dead. What mommy or daddy would do such a thing? And it was only the childish foolishness that would even cause him to say such a thing. And an atheist who's threatening God, challenging God, not very wise and you don't know much about God absolutely at all. Now I would uh, like a, a volunteer. Okay. And would you grab somebody and bring them with you because I need more than one. Okay. Alright let me see here. You, you, you ought to stand right here and you face the congregation, if you don't mind. I need one more. Another volunteer? Yeah, come on up here. <laughs> I'll be with you in just a second here. Can I get you to hold this for me? And just hold it out this way so everybody can see it. <clears throat> and can you do likewise? <clears throat> I 
There you go. Can you hold that for me? And what does that say? There's a lot of good in this world. But there's a lot of people who don't believe in God. Although they say, oh, yeah, the, world, the, the world's good and, and we like good things and so forth and so on. So there's some people who would want to take God, G O D. Can I have your, okay? Mm. Nope, that's not the right one, is it? You have the D. It's hard to see upside down. So when you take God out of good, what do you end up with? Nothing. A zero, nothing. It's empty, it's hollow. So when people try to take God out of the good and they just want to deal with good stuff and this and that, but they want to completely exclude God and take him out of the picture, they end up with really pretty much nothing, to be honest with you. Now I need, can you hold that again? I need a couple more volunteers. Thank you, yes, two. Let me see. No, three. Three. I can take however many you got, you know. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Can you stand right here beside them? Okay. Can you hold that one there? Can you hold that one? Whoops. I'm hitting a microphone or something there. Sorry about that. Uh, you gotta use two hands because I didn't get enough volunteers. Okay? So can you put that right there? So what does that say? Goodness. goodness. I think we all like goodness, right? But it's the same thing. I'm gonna take God out of goodness. Zeroness, <laughs> emptiness, hollowness, nothingness. When you try to take God out of this life, you don't really have a whole lot left in reality. You know? So could you give all these folks a grand applause for helping me out? And I'll take these back from you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, let me see where I was at there. Okay, Psalms 107, verse 1, and we just read it. It says, oh, thank God, he's so good, his love never runs out. And then in verse 2, it says, all of you set free by God. Tell the world. Have you been set free by God? Yes. Set free from your sins and your shame and, and whatever else? Yes. And he says... All of you set free by God, tell the world. Tell how he freed you from oppression. Tell the world, and there's no better time in all the world to tell the rest of the world about his goodness. You know, and how he has freed you from oppression and, and all. Then at the time, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Psalm 107, verse 8 and 9, it says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. His goodness is so constant, you know. It's ever, always there. God's goodness genuinely is. And it says, Oh, that men would give thanks 
to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And that's his wonderful works to us. We're, we're the children of men. And it goes on to say in verse 9, for he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. He's always filling us up with goodness. He genuinely is. In the book of uh, Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 14 it says, My people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. God says that, that we're going to be satisfied with his goodness. And experiencing God's goodness does not mean that you're on the right path. It, it doesn't mean that, you know. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. He says, the goodness of God does what? Leads you. Leads to us to repentance. So just because God blesses you, it don't mean everything you do is the right thing. It don't mean that at all. He blesses us with his goodness to cause us to repent. And repentance is to turn from our sin and to turn toward God. That's what we're talking about here. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. <clears throat> Be good to the bad. To love your enemies it does not always sound like a positive thing to people. But the Bible says to do that. He says his, his goodness, it brings People to repentance. That's what he tells us in his word. In verse 45, he goes on to say, In that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He, and he gives what? Sunlight. Sunlight. Sunshine. He gives the sunlight to both the evil and to the good. And he sends what? Rain. Rain. On the just and on the unjust alike. And the truth of it is a lot of people when they read that verse you know it rains on the just and the unjust and they thought that uh, you know it was a negative thing to be rained upon. You know you're going to have a party you're going to go for a hike you're going to the rain just messed up your day. But you got to understand this was being spoken and written to farmers who their, their livelihood depended upon them growing food. You know and they could eat it and if they had a little bit extra, they would take it to the market and sell it. So God's goodness, because it takes rain and it takes sunshine to cause your gardens to come to maturity. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And that's a positive thing. That is not a negative thing at all. Job 37 verse 6 says, He directs the snow to fall on the earth and tells the rain to pour down. He directs the snow to fall on the earth and tells the rain to pour down. And those are both positive things. There's a pastor friend of mine many years ago. He's with Jesus now. But he told me, he said, Brother Ron, he says, I learned many, many years ago, the more snow you have in the winter, the less graves you had to dig in the spring. He said, and he was telling me this, Honestly, from his honest heart, he said, because they had learned this lesson, is that the more snow came, it, it captured the germs in the air and took it down to the ground and soaked into the ground, and it didn't bother you. That's what he told me. Now, I'm not that kind of a scientist that can tell you that, 
but that's what he told me, you know. He directs the snow to fall, and some people like snow more than other people, to, to fall on the earth and to tell, he tells the rain to pour down. God's in control of it all. He genuinely is, and that's goodness, to be honest with you. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, it says, You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish, to everyone, regardless, the good and bad, the nice and nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Your kingdom subjects, and he's the king. And you're subject to him. Follow his example is what he's telling us here. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. Luke chapter 15, verse 10, it says, There is joy in the presence of God's angels when even, how many sinners? One. One sinner repents. Uh, the, The angels rejoice in that, in that goodness that God has shown. Verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him out into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. And and this prodigal son, he's remembering his dad. He's remembering how good his dad was to his servants and to the farmhands. He was remembering the goodness of his dad. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here am I, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Repentance. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. I've dishonored you, Dad. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. 
we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. So dad's goodness, you know, brought his son to repentance because his son would remember dad and how good his dad was. And what a role model that is as we recognize our heavenly father. Acts chapter 14, verse 16. It says, in the past... He permitted all the nations to go their own ways. Hmm. Have you noticed certain nations in our world right now, they have chose to go their own way? He says, in the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own way, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. You know what? God has men and women in every nation of this world to represent him. And God sends this beautiful sunshine and sunset and the sky and the rain and whatever is there, God is constantly giving evidence of his existence here in this world. Although there are a lot of people who've chosen to go their own way and they've, they've tried to take God out of the picture. But there is evidence of him in every nation on this planet. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? The King James says it this way, The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15 This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. He said, this is Paul, I'm I'm the worst. I'm the the most horrible. I'm I'm the nastiest, you know, the the most awful of them all. And and some folks have a, a hard time believing that God will forgive them. And maybe it's because they have a hard time forgiving other people. And we kind of feel like, well, well, that's probably the way God is. You know, we have a hard time forgiving someone and we have a hard time believing that God would really genuinely forgive us. But God had mercy on me that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example. Now, could God use you as a prime example? Have you been forgiven? Yes. Has God worked miraculously in your life ever? Yes. You can be a prime example for God of his patience and his goodness and his mercy. Absolutely. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Everybody can learn and realize that they can believe in him and receive eternal life because of you. Because of you, when we will speak up and tell about what God has done in our life, other people will discover faith and hope themselves. Romans chapter 5 verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not because we did anything noteworthy, but that's who God is. He forgives us, and he cleanses us, and he transforms us. And, and that's what he wants to do for every one of you who are here this day. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good. Doing what? Good. Jesus went around doing good and healing all. Well, what percentage is that? 100%. That's, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He, he went around healing all. Do, do you believe that God wants to heal all? Yes. He really does. And I'll be honest with you, he's given us the tools to bring it about. You know, when you read through your Bible and you study it, you'll discover that every time Jesus was healing somebody, you know, the woman with the issue of blood, every time he was healing, working people's lives, he said to them, it's not your, you touching the hem of my garment. That's not what did it. He told the woman, he says, your faith has made you whole. Your faith. And he's given us this because he says what? Faith cometh by hearing. It genuinely does. And so he's given us his word to speak to other people and to tell other people. The woman who had the, the girl who was demon possessed, Jesus said that she was set free by your faith. And the two blind men, he told them, he said, do you believe I'm able to do this? And yes, Lord, we believe. And Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. And, and the centurion who came for Jesus to heal his, his little servant, you know, and, and over and over and over and over we see, he says, according to your faith. That's the goodness of God. He's given us the tools to increase our faith. Genuinely, and he tells us up here, Jesus went around doing good and healing all, 100%, who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then Psalms 27, verse 13, it says, I had fainted, or I would have fainted unless I believed. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So do you believe in the goodness of the Lord? Yes. The, the prodigal son believed in the goodness of his dad. And he was a, a, you know, an example for us to understand how our heavenly father acts toward us. Are you believing, genuinely believing to see God's goodness in your life? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, that's what we're looking for. Same way the prodigal son. He was believing to see the goodness that came from his dad. His dad was going to give him a job, take him back in, and so forth. Some people are, are expecting something bad to happen. He tells us here in Psalms 27, verse 14 in the Message Bible. Stay with God. Take heart. Stay home. with God. The alternative to staying with him is to leave him. Right? Mm -hmm. So stay with God, exclamation mark. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. Ezra chapter 3 verse 11. With praise and thanks they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. And you know Psalms 100 is known as a, the psalm of praise. 
And, you know, it's very easy. I know we, we grew up singing the 100th Psalm. You know, that's why we, we memorize it. But listen to the words of this psalm. Psalms 100, verse 1, it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. What kind of a noise? Joyful. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with sadness. No, gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God and he is that has made us and, and not we ourselves. And, and we are his people. We're, we're the sheep of his pasture. And then he says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is what? Good. He is always showing his goodness to us. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. And we need to recognize that God is good. And, and everything he does is good. And, and even things that you think is not good, he, he is sending us goodness. He genuinely is. And he's causing us to repent and turn from things that we ought not to be pursuing after. In the, the book of Luke chapter 19 Verse 35, it says, So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As, they, as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And, and you know, not only, but I mean, they were taking off their, their jackets and things like that. And they would reach in and they were pulling, you know, branches out of the trees and, and things like that. And as they were walking along, you know, this is what they would do for a king. They were throwing palm branches down, you know, for Jesus to, to come into the, the town. Uh, and he would ride his little uh, donkey in on the palm branches and on coats and anything they might have had, they threw it down. Let's see here. And that's what palm branches was all about. It was welcoming a king. You know, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were singing, you know, blesses he who comes in the name of the Lord. So where was you at there? As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When they reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Notice that they were praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. It was the miracles is why they were there and they were praising God, you know, for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Later in the... Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, later in, in the week, you know... <clears throat> Uh, many of the, the same people were before Pilate, who was the governor. And in Matthew 27, verse 15, it says, Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd. Anyone they wanted. And this year, there was a notorious sinner or a prisoner, a man named 
Barabbas, and he was already a convicted murderer. Now, they had all seen Jesus perform many miracles and, and multiply fish and bread, even raise some dead people. They'd seen all these wonderful things that Jesus had done, you know. And, and now they're being asked, you know, well, who do you want to go free? Because we'll always release one person, so says the governor. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priest and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be the released. The leading priest hmm, and the elders persuaded the crowd who had seen the miracles, who had experienced much of the miracles of, of Jesus, but these priests and these elders persuaded them to ask for Barabbas, a, a convicted murderer. Release him. That's what they wanted. They persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Even louder. They, they don't want to answer any more questions. Release Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. You know, there was a little boy. He was, he was sick on Palm Sunday. And he stayed home from church with his mother. Uh, and his father returned from church holding a palm branch. The little boy was curious. And he asked, well, why do you have that palm branch, Dad? You see... When Jesus came into town, everyone waved palm branches to honor him. So we got palm branches today at church. And the little boy replied, oh, shucks. The one Sunday I miss in the, the, the one Sunday I miss is the Sunday that Jesus shows up at my church. <laughs> That's what he thought it was. But, you know, many churchgoers are, are not aware of Christ. His presence. And they're not aware if, if he's absent. They're not aware of Christ at all. That's just the way it is. You know what Billy Graham said? He said the greatest mission field in our country today is sitting in our local churches. It's the greatest mission field. That would be right here amongst us. And watching online, there's people who don't really have a relationship with Christ. They don't really understand what, you know... Uh, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is really all about. They've never made the application to their, their own life, you know. Many people praise, you know, on, on Palm Sunday. They praise Jesus, you know, because of what? His miracles. We read about it earlier because of his miracles. And they, they praise him because he served them. He fed them fish and bread. He did some wonderful, miraculous kinds of things. And many praise him you know, because it was just the popular and the trendy thing to do, you know. 
He, 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 they praise him because of all the wonderful things. And, and you think about your own self. When do we go to God most of the time, you know? Because they saw, they saw a way to get free from the Romans. The same way Israel got free from, from Egypt down there. And they were thinking that Jesus was going to take them out from under the oppression of the Romans and all. And their praise was tempered with the attitude, Jesus, what can you do for me? Is, is that why we serve him only? Well, what can you do for me today, Jesus? You know, with that attitude, you know. Many were just self-centered people. They, they were not Christ-centered. And a, a few days after Palm Sunday, they saw Jesus beaten and disfigured. Now, I don't know if you ever had a chance to watch the, uh, the Passion of Christ, the movie or not. But that is a very biblical, uh, accurate of what happened to Christ before he went to the cross. And a few days before Palm Sunday, they saw Jesus beaten, disfigured, no longer looking like a deliverer, a conqueror. They bought the lie and they quickly changed their position. The trend had changed. And now instead of Hosanna, Hosanna, they cried, crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Same people. Is, is, is that something? Is people who are singing Hosanna, Hosanna because of the miracles, and now they're saying crucify him, crucify him because of the, the leading priests and the elders had persuaded them to do so. We're going to read one more verse here. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And we, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles were witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. And that right there is the ingredient that brings salvation to us. In the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's it. That's pretty simple, is it not? Mm -hmm. And when you are forgiven and you're pardoned and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus, you, you become a partaker of his divine nature and you just want more and more in your relationship with him. You genuinely do. And, and, and the godliness, you want to become more and more like him to the people that he surrounded you with so we can tug them. And at this coming resurrection weekend, it's a wonderful time to invite people to go to church. It's a wonderful time just to sit down and invite them for lunch or something or to share with them what God has done in your life. Jesus went around doing good. And he and all who are oppressed is the devil. And if we can go around doing good, you know. And it might just be as simple as offering to pray for somebody, you know. Helping them somehow, some way, you know. So we see a transformation that took place in them people who in the beginning was going, Hosanna, Hosanna. And we see how they switched. You know, someone had to convince them. I challenge you to just stay in love with Jesus and let his goodness impact our lives. And let us, 
his goodness become our goodness. And, and, and we just be like him to the people God brings across our path. What I'd like to do right now is just that we would just pray. And we would reaffirm our faith in Christ. And if you've never declared your faith in Christ, would you declare it with us right now as we pray together? You guys who are watching online, you guys who are in the building here, if you would bow your heads and join us as we pray. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe he gave his life blood. And I believe he gave his life blood. To wash all my sins away. To wash all my sins away. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And now he's knocking at the door of my heart. And now he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide this door. And I open wide this door. I want Jesus in my life. I want Jesus in my life. In every area of my life. In every area of my as life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. I want to experience his goodness. I want to experience his goodness. And I want his goodness to flow through me. And I want his goodness to flow through me. To others in my life. To others in my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen.